West Gaming Network is proud to present the QGN Community Cast. Hello and welcome to your QGN Community Cast for Episode 4, recorded on Friday, August 31st, 2012. I am your host and Community Manager, Fred. And I'm your other Community Manager, Keth. You found your way to the place where the show's made up and the notes don't matter. Go ahead, Keth. This week, brought to you by Tweaked Audio. Use the code off the record, all one word, at checkout to receive 30% off at checkout. Uh, these things come with a lifetime warranty that, you know, you can't beat that. That That's the ultimate warranty right there, lifetime. Something happens, they're going to fix them. they got great support. If you have an issue, just give them a call. They'll take care of you right away. Earbuds and headphones, you know, the ones with the mics, they work with your cell phone, so you can do that hands-free calling. That's becoming a big deal lately. You know, you can't talk on a cell phone and drive at the same time unless you have a some sort of hands-free device, so that's great. And today, joining us in the host hot seat... Lou! Lou, how you doing? I am doing well, Kev. Hello to you, and hello, Fred. It's great to be here. Hello, Lou. It's great to have you here. Lou, why don't you tell the folks about yourself and what you do for the Quest Gaming Network? Well, essentially, I take in space and waste air. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have more than one of them, don't we? Nice. That's nice. my job description. That's awesome. <laughs> but I am... First and foremost, uh, usually I am the lore master of the Quest Gaming Network. I am also the second chair writer for Swocho Reforged. And, and I am also the third chair of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am also, what you would say, a civilian soldier. So I'm part of the New York Army National Guard, although I live in New Jersey. Don't ask me why, but yes, I belong to New York State's Army National Guard unit. Wow, that's and, a little complicated, isn't it? Well, it's not that hard. I mean, my unit's actually literally a few miles away from my house in Jersey, so it's really easy. It makes it that much more convenient. I could see that. Yep. It's great, though. It's very convenient. I love it. Also, avid, rabid, I should say, video gamer, if anyone can tell. From consoles to PC, heck, board games, card games, I like them all. But lately, I've been just a very big, huge video game addict for the past, gosh, 15, 16 years. And yes, I'm dating myself. (laughs) Wow, that's creepy. But... But, Lou, you forgot to mention one of the most important things. You are also one of the three original hosts on the network. Well, you know, not counting the actual Quest Gaming podcast, because it didn't actually become the Quest Gaming Network until after Skyrim Off the Record launched. Yes, yes. Originally, it was Joe, the Widget Wilson, Yvarwin, and myself. And then we started bringing in other people as, gosh, as the shows grew, the games grew, the games that we were interested in grew, and... You know, Joe and Varwin just started brainstorming and coming up with ideas for all these popular, sh- all these games that are coming out, and they pretty much felt the pulse of the gaming community. And so far, they've been spot on. Yeah, I know that I won a raffle. That's how I ended. <laughs> <laughs> fishbowl names the fishbowl. All right, close your eyes. All right, I'm going in. I'm going in. Here we go. Fred B fourteen. <laughs> Bingo. You sank my battleship. You bleep. Wow. Apparently, I won my spot on the network during a very bad board game night. (laughs) (laughs) They took all the board games, threw them on the table, and went, all right, we're playing Battle Magic The Gathering. (laughs) Battle Magic The Gathering. It was the original original version. But it's kind of like Operation. When you make an invalid move, you get electrocuted. (laughs) (laughs) 
old Ren and Stimpy don't whiz on the electric fence? Yes, I love that episode. <laughs> <laughs> you have good taste in cartoons, Lou. Yes, that was a great series. I'm trying to find that on DVD, so <laughs> well, I can pick it up, I will. Yeah, I'm sure that it's out there. That was one of the best episodes it had to make it to DVD if any part of it did. Right, if not, I'll probably have to just go trolling through Hulu or maybe CouchTunerTV.com and try and dig it up somewhere. It's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Exactly. And <laughs> I don't like it. No, sir, not one bit. And, of course, we shouldn't delay any longer introducing our community listener, ZZ Corrode from his Minecraft Off the Record chat room fame. Hello, Fred. Kes, Lou. Hey, ZZ. Welcome to the show. Yes. Howdy, howdy. What's Glad to be on, here. Bro? So, ZZ, why don't you tell the folks listening a little bit about yourself? So, I'm a young fella, and I don't have much gaming history, so I'm just going to keep it down. I started playing this game called Chips Challenge on my grandpa's PC when I was about three or four. And from that, I got this nice love for puzzle games. And now, nowadays, I really like games like Portal, Portal 2, those kinds of games, and also platformers. I don't okay. know why. Okay, I have to ask, what was Chip's Challenge, and, like, what was the difficulty on it? Was it tuned for a young kid, or was it set for somebody older? It was in between. It was more of... It, it, was, it didn't really have an audience, specifically, but difficulty-wise, it started out easy and end up ended up being very difficult as a puzzle game. And it was basically just a giant tile board, and you were this one figure, and you had to move around collecting keys, avoiding enemies, things like that. Okay, so it sounds like it was kind of almost a one-person board game? Um, Almost, yeah. You, you could say that. Anyway... Later on, I got a PlayStation 2, and that was my first console. And I was really into the Crash Bandicoot series, and I guess that's where my platformer game interest started. And also the Kingdom Hearts series, which was where I got my love for RPGs. Then later on... Oh, I love Kingdom Hearts. That's a great series. I actually have that also on my PSP. Was it Disney, where you could play all the different Disney storylines in one game, basically? Basically. <laughs> I briefly read about that at one point. I didn't actually get to play it, though. I mean, I, I was a kid. I was in love with that kind of stuff. So that game fit perfectly. Hey, uh, completely understandable. You have to start somewhere. Yep. And, you know, Disney isn't a bad property. There's a lot of grown adults that still watch those movies and stuff. Yeah, I'll raise my hand here. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Lou. And Keth's watching Beauty and the Beast right now. That's why he's still muted. Yeah, that that's what it is. I was, be our guest, be our guest. Oh, wow. What? I know Disney movies. Just because I don't watch them anymore doesn't mean I didn't watch them when I was a kid. Well, you know, my character in Guild Wars 2 looks a lot like the Beast. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> go ahead, ZZ. Anyway, after, after the PS2 days, I got an Xbox 360. And I hopped onto the Call of Duty bandwagon. From starting from Call of Duty 4, and then I finally dropped it after Call of Duty Black Ops. Throughout that time, I played shooters like a maniac. And at this point, I've grown tired of them. So I'm pretty much not playing, not picking up shooters for a long time, unless it's free. I'm not willing to spend money on them anymore for a good long time. I was going to say, because you know you're going to be on Joe's list if you don't play Planetside. <laughs> <laughs> You won't be friends with them anymore, and you won't be our dungeon master on the Minecraft show anymore. He's going to be like ZZ Who. Ban Hammer. 
<laughs> you get you got banned, and they're like, oh, "Why did ZZ get banned? He didn't play Planet Side." <laughs> that strikes fear into my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you know what title you're going to be playing now. Once it comes out, once it once it comes out, I'll as, be on that. As ZZ's minimizing Skype and signing up for the beta right now. <laughs> I actually did that a really long time ago, but I did not get an email or anything yet. Yeah, don't feel bad. I, I'm on a podcast about it and didn't get one. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I signed up the first or second time Joe mentioned it in Minecraft Off the Record line, live stream. That's when I signed up, and that was many months ago. So anyway, during the Call of Duty time, I also played WoW, and I, I liked it. I liked WoW. I got into it, but I, I'm an alcoholic at heart, and I could not get a character above level 25. No matter how hard I tried, I got bored, and the character got deleted. Then, last summer, I decided to play WoW again after dropping it for a year, and I managed to get up to level 44, and that was a mind-blowing record. <laughs> actually, actually <laughs> during that summer... The first day that I started playing, I was vacationing at a lake nearby in a cabin with Wi-Fi. And I had a friend there who also played WoW. So there, I signed up that morning. I played practically the entire day and got to level 25 in that one day. It was ridiculous. Yeah, the leveling speed in WoW has always been quicker than a lot of other games. WoW really shines at the end game, though, or they just have so much content. And it's going to get even faster now once Mist comes out. Oh, they already dropped in the 5.0 patch, but that's another story. Go ahead, ZZ. So, uh, late last year, Skyrim came out, and I got it on Christmas because I did, or I got it sometime between uh, its release and Christmas. This was because I made a deal with my parents with my allowance and my present i simply spent the money in between that time and then i got the money back on christmas so it was a it was a good deal i got the game early in my terms and after a little while i participated in a programming competition and we scored second place and i got an ipod nano out of it which was really nice and oh, oh hang on what kind of programming competition um it was uh, it was to make an online application for a real world situation where you would have a say a battleship. That battleship would have a server, and it would have a bunch of smaller ships around it, which would all be clients connected to that server. And we had to make a program that would make I can't remember what type of file it was. But it was supposed to create a file with a certain amount of information, send it across the internet to the server, and the server had to parse the file and make the information readable. We wrote it in Java. It was fun. The company that sponsored it was called IDT, Innovative Defense Technologies. It was a fun time. Yeah, it sounds cool, especially when the prize was an iPod. Yeah, the first place winners got an iPod got all iPod touches, which I can't say I'm jealous because I find an iPod Nano a lot more useful because it's smaller. And from the iPod Nano, I had I was forced to get iTunes. At one point, I searched Skyrim, and I found Skyrim off the record. That was, that was around episode 5 of when it was airing. So I got into QGN then. Later on, I found Minecraft off the record. After the first episode, I hopped onto the server. On the server, I became known for beating the dungeons. Joe's hellish dungeons. 
<laughs> Joe's sick, twisted, demented mind of a now, dungeon. Now you know Dave's <laughs> going to be upset if you don't give him his due credit for making some of them dungeons. That's true. You know, also some of, some of the dementia is Dave. Yes, and yeah, don't forget to throw Arigen and Bo in there too. <laughs> Makes you wonder, like, what are these guys thinking of at night to come up with these ideas? Well, I can tell you Dave gets up about four in the morning and starts plotting how he can torture people that day. I I don't know how (laughs) Joe's routine goes. But, yeah, I can completely understand being baited by an iPod because, you know, every time I order from Pizza Hut, it pops up that window saying, enter now. You could win an iPod. So every time I fill out their stupid survey and I never win an iPod. And then, you know, one time I was at a truck stop and I saw what I thought was an iPod inside of a vending machine. So I ended up putting like $5 in there and I win this little generic thing that was called like music thing. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the actual name of it. It said music thing. That's that's terrible. I know. It was such a ripoff. But Kat, good news is I picked out your Christmas present this year. Yay! I get a music thing. (laughs) That's right. Your very own music thing. I've always wanted one of those. I know. And now your dream's about to come to fruition. Yay! Isn't life grand? (laughs) I know, right? It's amazing. And I didn't even have to learn how to program. It's awesome. Yeah, and you got a free music thing. But anyhow. Anyhow, ZZ. So, after you became known as the Minecraft Dungeon Master, what all did that role entail? What do you mean? Well, from my understanding, whenever Joe comes up with a new idea to torture people or we do a dungeon build in our weekly build-off, you're our testing crash dummy. Well, not quite. On the one weekly build-off that they did do a dungeon build, build, I was one of the judges, or, well, technically the main judge. I kind of picked the three winners and the other person, or the, what what is it called? Honorary mention. And they rolled with it. Yeah, you have your words, judge, I have mine, crash dummy, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I didn't, I don't actually test theirs. I just run through them and beat them, in theory. Tomato, I tomato. <laughs> I've beaten all of them except for half of the latest one. You're getting into semantics now. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Have you ever died in a dungeon? I would say probably at least 10,000 times. Sounds like a crash dummy to me. (laughs) I think they designed their dungeons at this point forward with him in mind saying, no, I got to find a way to make sure ZZ doesn't beat this this time. What's, What's it going to take? That's actually actually what they've been doing. Yeah, I actually do think you're 100% correct, Lou. I believe that Joe actually sits there and tries to think, what challenge can I put in here that ZZ won't figure out right away? He's succeeded multiple times, but failed eventually. (laughs) A way will be found, and it will be done. (laughs) Well, see, I have my own hypothesis that Joe constructs these dungeons, and originally they're unbeatable, and he watches ZZ bang his face against the wall for about four weeks and then he goes in and nerfs it and makes it beatable so ZZ can actually get through. (laughs) (laughs) That's possible. Improbable. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it could happen. Or Joe builds the dungeon where you can beat it and then Dave's going behind him and altering things so you can't. (laughs) 
I have seen that. The one time that I got on the server on Minecraft, I watched Dean get in there and go, Oh no, that's too easy. Change that. Let's put this over here. Add zombies and, and we're going to lava over there. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I couldn't even figure out how to get past the door. And then, you know, it's like two weeks before Joe goes back in there and figures out that Dave changed stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, people are going in there, falling into the lava and burning up. And then they're saying in the chat, Oh, they couldn't be this dungeon themselves so they make us go through it that's no, 100 true I, I was actually observing one of the dungeons people were going through there and they were falling into the lava and like spamming the chat they can't beat this themselves so they make us do it for their amusement like they force people to go through the dungeons what's funny is that i usually beat it in that two week span after dave modifies things but that's not the case for the latest ones because those are just plain evil well the harder that it gets to stump you the harder the dungeon has to get yeah i could agree with that but zizi let's talk about what you're doing now because that's what's exciting right yes <laughs> now i play guild wars 2 on the quest league guild league. and i've been having a blast with the all the members join it please Talking about our amazing group, the Quest Legion. Yeah. Yeah. We have some of some really great people in there, and we're always looking for more. Yep. So if you're hearing this podcast, you have an open invitation. Just talk to, uh, go onto the community forums and shoot. Uh, who should they shoot for an invite? Probably me. Okay. You know, I'm Fred underscore QGN. Send me a private message if you're interested in joining the game. Or you can send a private message to ZZ Corrode because he actually does check his private messages on a regular basis. <laughs> I like Fred. Well, no. well, Lou, really? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a pot, meet the kettle. Yeah, I know. Says, <laughs> Lou's That's right, I went there. I went there. Lou's been to the forums one time to make his account, and he's talking about me not checking my messages. I bet you his inbox is overflowing because he probably has so many fans sending him all these little fan messages like, Lou, we love you, and he hasn't even bothered to check it. So we're losing listeners because Lou isn't responding to his fans. This is all so new. I'm so overwhelmed. (laughs) See, people don't send me those messages because if I got a message like, Fred, we love you, somebody would be getting force choked and they know it. Through the screen. Through the screen. <laughs> and then if they somehow manage to beat you and they take off your Vader mask, suddenly another Sith rises. Yeah, Darth Maul to be exact. <laughs> I couldn't be Malgus because you know that face thing wouldn't fit under the Vader mask. But anyhow, anyhow it's time to move on, gentlemen. And I do believe, ZZ, that you had a question to ask Lou, didn't you? Yes. Lou, what is... Well, this is more of a three-part question. All right. What is your favorite world of lore my favorite world of lore wow um this is going to be stretching back quite a while it would probably be everquest one and everquest two's lore just because of the fact that that was my first real serious mmo was eq1 even though i did start with ultima online i only dabbled in uo but it was my friends who got me involved in eq1 they don't know what they unleashed when they actually twisted my arm to get me to play that game. They had been playing for a couple of weeks when it first released, and I was always in the mind of, oh, it's just a cheap ripoff because this is coming from the, my days of playing Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, those types of games from Bioware. You know, those RPG, D&D, AD&D RPGs. And I was like, oh, that's just a cheap, that's just a cheap ripoff. I'm not going to do it. And I tried it out. 
look at me now. How many years later? Playing MMOs like some crazed fiend. <laughs> but I always found the lore of EQ1, EQ2 to be very, very detailed. And it's always linked. You can go to any of the zones in the games and you'll see with the quest, there's always a story behind it. There's always something there that links all the quests in the zone together. But then the overall scheme of the zone fits into the overall story arc of the game itself. Okay, uh, kind of like for me, you know, I've only played WoW for a couple of years, but you know, when you play Alliance, okay, and you're obviously you're based out of Stormwind, and then what's just outside of you know Elwyn Forest, Duskwood, and for the life of me, I cannot understand where Duskwood fits <laughs> into the grand scheme of the Alliance. All right, yes, the Scourge, whatever, but what's happening in Duskwood, I don't know, it doesn't fit into what's going on in Elwyn, what's going on everywhere else, unless they're just it's supposed to be some little microcosm separate from the overall scheme of the Scourge, you know, and the undead and so forth. Well, Lou, that zone probably didn't originally look that way, but some developer looked at it and he's like, yeah, this zone's a little bit too Evarwin-y, let's change it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are my, my, my two, my very favorite worlds of lore right there, the EverQuest universe. Okay, okay. And switching gears a little bit, what's your least favorite? Least favorite? Hmm. Well, my least favorite the past couple of years has been the Warhammer universe, because I've also played Warhammer online, because I've also played Warhammer when it first came out as a, a tabletop game. And it still is a tabletop game originally, okay? There's actually a hobby shop in Manhattan that I can go to, and they still play Warhammer and Battletech, uh, you know, on these huge tables with the, the grid squares on the table, the little figurines, the data tables, all nice and neat, printed, you know, the dice, everything is set up. Even though the Warhammer's been out for so long, I find <laughs> a particular lore just so dry and so it's boring. To me, it just doesn't read, like, it doesn't have any life to it. It's just this happens, this happens, you know, Dark Elves did this, blah, blah, rebelled out. Okay, so what? <laughs> you know, they, Understandable. You yeah, you don't get the feeling of you don't feel connected or you don't feel any real sympathy or passion for any of the faction for order or for chaos in the warhammer universe when you read it just like the way it's presented wow so since you picked warhammer i'm assuming that you never tried elgin on <laughs> i actually did for a couple of days <laughs> i did promptly uninstalled it <laughs> the second day <laughs> like it was any surprise when we all got the email elgin's going free to play yes yeah i i can't believe anybody buys anything in that cash shop but that that's a different story but I'm just surprised you didn't choose that lower base you know with the two races one being super ugly and one being kind of ugly and not really having any real story or substance to it no i just find warhammer affects me more because of i I liked i still like how the game plays those original tabletop games and quite honestly if mythic had screwed up when they released warhammer online to begin with i probably would be playing that because you know they also created dark age of camelot which to me is one of the still the best pvp models ever developed in the gaming world i'd have to agree with that it's definitely that- one of the best. Mm-hmm. Okay, three faction realms. You know, so the one doesn't dominate the other. You have that third faction that can tip the balance either way. Or it's just a three-way standoff. You know, Lou, that sounds similar to something that just came out. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. More on that later. So what else did you want to ask, Lou? Okay, third part. Last part. Um, what would be a world of lore that you, you don't know much about, but you're interested in it, and you're interested in finding more about it? I would probably say the lore of Guild Wars, even though I played the games for a long time. You know, the original Guild Wars prophecies, factions, Nightfall, I of the North. I never bothered to read up on it. <laughs> I just got into the game, liked how it played. I, 
I first got into Guild Wars again with my best friend and two of our other buddies uh, from our unit, and we just had a blast, just ripping through the content, having a total fun time playing it. You know, grouping up with other people. I we just never got into it because we were just so busy playing the game, and it just never occurred to me actually read up on anything. You know, I really didn't care about well, like the, the main character of I know for Gwen, her story. I okay, who is this again? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Are we going to the next match? Let's go. Let's kill somebody. You know, or, or yeah. let's try beat this mission. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a suggestion. Um, there, there's a guy on YouTube named Wooden Potatoes, and he makes good. He makes a lot of Guild Wars oriented content, mm-hmm. but one of his specialties is he started a Guild Wars lore series where, in fair detail, he summarizes the lore of the entire universe. It's very, very well made, and I extend this recommendation to you. Very nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Nice source there. Hmm. Definitely. Okay, so what this is to all of you, starting with Fred. What is your favorite game at this very moment? This is kind of a baited question, ZZ, because you know at this <laughs> moment it's going to be Guild Wars 2. <laughs> it's a leading question, Your Honor. A leading question. Yeah, you, I object. You baited me, ZZ. You baited me. <laughs> That's entrapment. <laughs> entrapment by yeah. the listeners. I plead the fifth. <laughs> and, Keth, what's your answer to ZZ's question? Well, I've been... Uh, I actually just started my YouTube channel, so I've been doing a lot of Dungeon Defenders, but... Right now, I, I got back into Daisy and have been messing around with that, and I would say that's probably my game of the week. Uh, anymore, I've been switching games so much, it's, it's, it's hard to say my favorite game, you know, because I'm going through so many, and I'm currently, like, I literally have Arkham City that I haven't played yet. I, I beat the first one, but Arkham City I haven't played at all. I've got it installed. I've got everything ready. I'm going to start it tomorrow. So I'm thinking that's probably going to be my answer next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fair. Lou? Right now, my favorite game of the week is actually KOTOR 2, The Sith Lords. If anyone's listened to our Sword Reforged, or actually the new segment, The Holonet Reforged, Steam actually released KOTOR 2, The Sith Lords, on. It's on there now. It's available on Steam. And what I've done as well is that I actually downloaded what's called the Sith Lords Restoration Content Mod. And for me, when I play the KOTOR games, yes, everyone knows KOTOR 1, Knights of the Republic. Yeah, great game. It deserves every award it's received. But for me, I kind of – the slight edge for me is KOTOR 2 because to me, 2 has a slightly uh, grimmer, darker side to it, grittier side to it. Okay, Whereas KOTOR 1, you always felt so – I wouldn't say cut and dry, but you knew where the bad guys were going. You know where the good side was going. With two, it was always up in the air. It's like you felt a real sense of, hmm, I could really tip the balance of the scales if I just do this one little thing here and, you know, there goes the galaxy, spinning out of control. So now with the restoration content, that game has a whole new life for me because that was a big chunk of content that Obsidian had to drop because LucasArts pushed their release date at least half a year earlier than they intended to. I remember playing KOTOR 2 about a year before SWOTOR came out. I just bought it because it was on sale somewhere. And the only thing I really remember standing out in that game was I was playing as a Jedi, and it was taking me forever to get a lightsaber. And I remember that old one-armed hag (laughs) being like, you already know how to make a lightsaber. Well, if I already know how to make one, why can't I make one? (laughs) shut up you old wench and make me a lightsaber you're not doing anything with that one arm you got gosh i just wanted to throw her out an airlock 
I'm just going to cut off the other one just to spite you. <laughs> that was Kaleo of KOTOR 2. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite game right now, ZZ? Right now, Guild Wars 2. Since the pre-release, or early access, I've been playing that nonstop. All of my gaming time since Saturday has gone into that game. You know what's funny is that I actually pre-ordered the collector's edition of that game months ago, and I usually use GameStop. I, I know, shoot me. Um, <laughs> as the source for getting my, a lot of my games, as opposed to going to Best Buy, which I should do from now on, but they never bothered to send me the early access code for the Head Start program. I actually had to go onto their site to remember, oh my gosh, it starts this weekend. And by that time, I really didn't care because, you know, Things that happened here in real life last week, so I really didn't pay any mind, any mind to it at all. But when I actually picked it up a couple of days ago, I actually spoke to the store manager going, hey, <laughs> what happened? What's going on here? Yeah, there was a big debacle with that. A lot of people were saying that they completely prepaid and bought the game, and they were only given the one-day access code, and they were supposed to have three. Mm-hmm. But, you know, basically the rebuttal was you paid for the game, early access was just a perk. So... You know. That's a whole other debate right there. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I understand the frustration. But that's basically the stance that they took, so nobody's really going to get anything out of that. Okay, so what is your general archetype of your character in RPG games? Like, for instance, mine would be a very neutral, dignified, warrior-like character. Hmm. Let's go with Luke. Good question. Well, normally, what I have done, for example, if I'm playing tabletop, pen and paper, D&D with my friends, I have always played a thief, a thief character, chaotic good alignment. So, yeah, a hand solo. Yeah, I rob, I steal, I do borderline really bad things, but in the end, got the heart of gold, or you know, my conscience will always win out in the end, saying, yeah, yeah, all right, go, let him go. <laughs> but, you know, we're not going to do this, that sort of thing. With MMOs, I've always played, if they had the class available, the ranger character. With the same kind of thing, same uh, alignment if I can help it. And starting from EQ onward, I've always had my elf character, you know, my rangers as elves, the elf characters, elf race. Because I think they look so cool. <laughs> Although I will say in Guild Wars 2, my main right now is a elementalist. So that's kind of a slight break there from the norm. <laughs> well, it's warranted because it's a completely different game. It's a completely different style of game almost. Keth? I'm always a good guy. You know, like I usually play a paladin or something along the lines right up until something finally pushes me the, over the edge. And then I usually, you know, if, if the option's available, I usually switch to dark side or something like that. You know, I, I'm the nice guy right up until finally I, you know, that, that one little thing, they finally, you know, somebody finally goes, hey, you need to, uh, go collect this thing for like the 9,000th time. And that's, then I'm like, that's it. I'm slaughtering the entire town. <laughs> well, that was a great answer, Keth Barwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, that's about it for me is that, you know, I'm usually the good guy. And then, like I said, something will finally tick me off and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. It's over. Bring it. The whole town dies tonight. <laughs> Fred? Well, with me, it really changes based on what kind of game I'm playing. Like, SWOTOR, I find myself playing a bunch of different classes that I ordinarily wouldn't. 
Like I'm playing tanks and healers. It, it all depends on how the class feels to me. I'll, I'm open to trying different things. I've played all three rules in the Holy Trinity, and I'm fine with all of them. In most games, you know, I just go with whatever feels right. But Swotor particularly, I try to focus on a little bit of role play in my head, whichever class I can play that would eventually hunt down and destroy Jedi Mastery Varwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fred's character sheet and every Tor, if Tor becomes, comes up with an armory, like, wows. So what's Fred's bio? I'm going to hunt down Jedi Master Uvarwin, and that's on all eight characters. And after that, I'm going to hunt down Jedi Sage Widget. <laughs> nah, not really. There's a little cow that does that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the cow does a, a great job for everyone, for all attended. <laughs> now, my apprentice, Widget Bane, you shall go after Widget. Can you imagine, though, on Planet Side 2, if there's ever some critter out there that just, just finds Joe? Wipe <laughs> them out. All of them. <laughs> oh, Darth Widget Bane. It's just a little painted cowl that has a Darth Vader mask on. <laughs> I can picture that perfectly. <laughs> I know, it's scary, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no peeking at the next update to the Skyrim mod. <laughs> and I'll, I guess I'll elaborate a bit on my answer. I mentioned earlier that my highest level character in WoW was 44, and that was a solid, solid warrior tank. That's that's basically it. So, Keth, how much abuse can you take before rage quitting a game? Right about the fourth gather quest, and then I go, "You're done." <laughs> no, I uh. <laughs> It, it really depends on the game, you know. If it's a good game, I'll sit down and play it forever. You know, like, like for example, uh, Dungeon Defenders. I've been getting owned in nightmare mode on that game, and it, it's just, it, it's bad. Like, you get slaughtered nonstop. They have all these new mobs and stuff that you're not used to, and and it's just harsh. But I'm having so much fun with the game that I'm okay with it. Now, if that was a bad game, you know, I, I, I'd get frustrated and I'd go, you know what? I'm not having fun. I've never had fun. I'm done. You know, so that, that's my kind of thing is, you know, it, it depends on the game really. If it's, if it's worth playing, it's a good game, then I'm willing to play and I'm willing to take some abuse. If it's not a good game, next, you know, I've got plenty of games on Steam. I got plenty, you know, plenty of games coming out. I, I'll find something that is worth playing. Yeah, I do believe it was Supa that said you don't have a house because you have such a, a library on Steam. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Running the extension cord into your car so you can live in there. I didn't even Good look. Times. i gotta, I got to see what I'm up to now because I know... No, don't open Steam, Keth. You'll end up finding a sale. <laughs> I, actually, I was I had it open because I, uh, Lou said that KOTOR 2 on it, and I was like, ooh. Did you find 9.99 it? $9.99 on Steam. $9.99. Ooh, that's a great price. I know, right? So, oh, definitely. Yeah, I've got. According to my tab, I have a hundred and fifty-seven games on Steam at the moment. So, Lou, how much abuse can you normally take before you rage quit a game? Like everyone else, it depends on the game itself. I never really rage quit a game. I just leave a game because uh, after a while, I just find it boring. In terms of maybe the people I started playing the game with, they all left for whatever the reasons are, and 
you know, especially with the online community nowadays, it's kind of hard to find good people to meet up with and you know, group up with and do stuff on a regular basis. Because of all, everyone's got a job. Everyone's got real life. Well, not really, Lou. Most of us do that by posting on our forums at questgamingcommunity.com. <laughs> I believe you made an account at one point. Yes, I did, didn't I? I think. I'll have to go check. Um, however, I've only ever really rage quit games due to guild drama. That's what makes me actually rage quit a game. I rage quit Rift because of guild drama there. And I also left my second guild in EQ2 because of drama, again, within the guild. Not the game itself. The game wasn't at fault. You know, each game, like I said, that I, that I left has a great points. You know, I still find it entertaining. Heck, I still play EQ2 when I can. You know, I recently got back into Rift because I want, I'm curious to check out the Storm Legion expansion when that comes out. Okay. I didn't leave Rift because I found the game bad. I, I left the game because the guild there just ticked me the hell off. <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore. But Lou, was it really rage or was it just sort of like a disheartening feeling when your guild sort of fell apart? Well, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say, no, EQ2, I would say rage <laughs> because there were issues going on back there that really should not have happened in the first place. And being that we were all adults, all of us were over 25 <laughs> and yet stuff, silly stuff that can happen and will go wrong did. Okay. Everyone saw the slippery slope. Half of us saw it. Got on a safety rail, buckled in. The other half said, oh, oh, hell no, we're going down for the count. So they dragged the guild into that muck and mire. But with Rift, it was more of a disheartening, disheartening feeling, which is why I just had to leave. Yeah, that's understandable. I, yeah, I didn't dread it. I just felt sad, that sad locking into the game. So I decided, you know, I'm not just going to waste my time anymore. So yeah. you've never really had a moment in a single-player game that was really difficult where you just wanted to pick up the controller or keyboard or monitor or whatever well, for that, and just smash it into a television? That, oh, that, all right. Or into all right. Window. Let, me, let me rephrase my answer then. I would probably loop that in with when I play any of the fighting games. I'm also a huge fighting game fan. You know, from the Mortal Kombat series, Tekken, Virtua Fighter, you know, all those fighting games. I love those games. So and pretty much... me up the wall. Pretty much, Lou, when you're playing like Mortal Kombat... And you're playing Sub Zero, and you got Raiden down to that little tiny sliver of life, and then he just electrocutes you to death. That's, That's when you right. just snap the controller in half with your super strength, right? Right. You know, Origoro gets you when he's down to like two points of health, gets in a you know forearm grip of his, and he just crushes the crap out of you. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> you know, Lou has a drawer on his entertainment stand that's just filled with backup controllers. <laughs> Actually, you would be surprised. At one point, I actually bought extra controllers. Oh, my gosh. I went in there. I was like, hmm. You know, when I first bought the PS2, yeah, I think the PS2 originally came with two controllers. I actually went and bought a third. Because I knew sooner or later when I started playing the latest games that came out, fighting games that would come out, I, I would just throw my controller down in frustration and walk away. Oh, certainly. You know, well, you, some of you guys know what I do for a day job off the air and I'm not really going to get into that but my job takes me outside of a lot of people's houses at times and one time I was walking along and people had a brand new flat screen TV up by the curb that had an Xbox controller in the middle of the screen <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just thought to myself either this person had a really bad time gaming or this is Keth's house and he just dealt with Microsoft customer support. <laughs> that, that'll that make me do it. Um, I've never thrown a controller through a screen, 
but I did break an old CRT by throwing a controller at it. And the last computer that blue screened on me is currently full of bullet holes. I took that out and uh, I actually ended up bullseyeing the processor with a 4570. That was a... very satisfying. Okay, we're going to make a note of that for when your QGN evaluation comes up right here. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as rage quitting goes, though, I've never actually rage quit any game that I can think of except for Diablo 3. When I got to about level 17 and I was getting level, I don't know, 3 to 7 drops, that's when I was like, yeah, I'm not playing this game because I'm not playing the auction house to get ahead. It's just not going to happen. But I'm sure at some point I will go back and give Diablo 3 another shot because they might change things, make it a little bit better. But at the time, I had so many other games to play, and when that happened, I'm like, yeah, that's just too much. I'm not getting on every day to check the auction house so I can get ahead. Right, yeah, exactly. Sounds fair. Right. So, Zizi, I think you wanted to ask us about our pets, didn't you? Yeah. Do you guys have pets? Or if Ooh. you don't or do, do you want any, any or any more? I'll go first. I have three dogs in my house, two Shelties and a Beagle, and the Shelties are actually brother and sister. I had to, you know, get the little boy taken care of so they're not making little puppies running around here that are all inbred and crazy. Because, you know, we keep Keth around so we remind us that that's a bad idea. <laughs> I'm, I only half resemble that. I'm just out of my mind. <laughs> oh, Keth, you know we love you, man. <laughs> so tell us, Kat, do you have any pets, maybe any that are still alive, perhaps? Oh, the pets are fine. I've, I've got a, I've got a cat that, is, he's an outside cat, so I see him about once a year. And then, uh, and he the looks family different owns... every time I see him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, The, uh, we had, the family owns two dogs, a Chawini. Yes, that is an actual breed, or so I'm told. And then, uh, some sort of rat terrier crossbreed thing. This, the, the ugliest dog you've ever seen. So. I don't know, Keth. I've seen a lot of dogs. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've seen some really ugly dogs out here. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll post a picture one of these days. It, it literally is the ugliest dog you've ever seen. I'm surprised though. I would have paid you for being the owner of a pet raccoon or something. The fact that Oh, I thought we dogs. meant like socially acceptable pets. No, it wasn't limited. Oh, well, in that case, the cougar in the backyard <laughs> that I keep just in case those dang kids start playing on my lawn again. So how's keeping the neighbor lady in the backyard keep the kids out of the yard? <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> wow. And there goes, you know, now we get the explicit tag. Way to go, Fred. Yeah, I know. Didn't even need Liz on this episode to get that going. <laughs> so, Lou, do you have any pets? I don't have any pets, per se. My nephew does, actually. He has a parakeet at the moment. Does it talk? No, it just sings a lot. <laughs> Thankfully, so it's in the kitchen right now. Um, but I have owned, my family has owned, we've owned uh, cats and dogs in the past, various stages. Like when I was growing up in Brooklyn and in Queens out here in Jersey, we've always had at least a dog or a cat as a pet in the house. But recently, no, I haven't. My last apartment I had in Queens, the management won't allow any pets, so I was pretty much out of luck there. I was there for so long, for like it was eight plus years. And then when I moved back down to Jersey, it just never occurred to me because I, I just gotten so used to not having one around. And so I just never crossed my mind to actually get one here at the moment. But if I did, I probably would get a cat right now because my schedule, how it is with 
you know, helping it here in the network and then, you know, jobs and then the military commitment. Having something like it, a pet like a dog would really be, I won't say a burn, but pretty, be pretty hard and unfair to the dog, you know, or an animal that would require care like that. No, I saw this in a magazine, Lou. You can buy this little patch of fake grass that the dog can just pee on and your whole house will smell like pee, but you can just empty that pan like once a week. <laughs> you know, I mean, just put that foot in my bed. If I hit that lazy, you just don't want to go to the bathroom. I'll just roll over and yeah. use that yourself. <laughs> so then when you go to get out of bed, you step in it by accident. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, the grass is moist. Is it due out already? <laughs> well, that'll wake you up. <laughs> or even worse, you'll go sleepwalking and just leave yellow footprints all through the hallway. Uh, oh yeah, it'd be something great. Oh, uh, what was that? The whole hallway stink. <laughs> Terrible. But Zizi, do you have any pets? I own a cat named Sylvester who looks like Sylvester, Ooh, the nice. Looney Tunes character. A lot of cat owners on the show tonight. There's a Tweety bird going. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd tell Tweety Tat. That's right. <laughs> around, looking out for him. But, you know, Lou, as far as parakeets are concerned, I have a quick little story to tell you. When I was young, probably nine, ten years old, my uncle and my aunt had this green parakeet that actually flew under their porch one day. So, you know, they did the natural thing and put the thing in a cage and brought it into their house. And that bird, I swear, you'd walk into the house. That thing would just sit there, stare at you, and go, Hi, I'm Irma, repeatedly. <laughs> it would say, Hi, I'm Irma, about 30 times. And then when you'd be in the room clear across the house laughing, you'd hear that bird go, <laughs> It's like the funniest thing in the world to hear that bird laugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it made us laugh every time we heard it. So, Zizi, what's next? Uh, favorite restaurants. Lou. Favorite restaurant? Like, maybe a genre of food or just favorite restaurant that's in my area type How deal? about both? Okay. Type of food, I definitely would have to say I love Italian food. I, it's, I don't know what it is, but I do. Lasagna, linguine, it doesn't matter. I'll eat it. <laughs> okay. Linguine carbonara, veal parm. Um, but, although I will say one of my favorite restaurants out here is in Manhattan. It's called Virgil's, and it's a southern-style cooking restaurant where it's, you know, the portions are big, and, yeah, it's the kind of food that builds cholesterol in your body the right way. <laughs> it's Keeping it like this, yeah, it, it just tastes great. It's, but, you know, 30, 40 years, you're going to have those heart problems, but it's just so good. You know, the hush puppies, you know, the chicken. Oh, I just love it. Love going there. But for a favorite Italian restaurant, well, that's a toss-up. There's so many in the area. I just can't name one. Just can't do it. It just wouldn't be fair. <laughs> They're all so good in their own way. Okay. But, so, Keth, what would your favorite restaurant be? Uh, my favorite restaurant was the one that I worked in when I was first going through culinary school. Uh, it was where I learned how to cook. Uh, the chef that was in charge of uh, that owned the restaurant was just the most amazing chef in the area K you know you kfc yeah. is not a restaurant <laughs> no we were actually the only restaurant in the area that made everything by hand from scratch and and we made just excellent food unfortunately uh the restaurant closed because the guy that owned the building that we were leasing it from was kind of an idiot and didn't understand how economics work and was charging us way too much for the building. And, and there was, there was a miscommunication. And instead of trying to work it out, he, uh, he actually kicked us out of the building 
And uh, he got it back, though. He kicked us out, and so we quit maintaining the building because we were no longer there. And that winter, the pipes froze and flooded the building. So uh, he had to go through and rip, like, the entire interior. It was a three-story building, and he had to rip the entire interior out and redo it and everything. So it cost him even more money. So uh, that just goes to teach you, uh, if you're an idiot, it'll come back and bite you. Okay, so what was the name of the restaurant, Kev? Uh, the restaurant was actually named after the head chef. It was Pandora's. So it was, it was a, just a privately owned restaurant. You know, we, we weren't a chain or anything like that. And, and our head chef, uh, Chef Pandora, it was did named he, after her. Did he ever let you look at his box? She, uh, no. <laughs> now what so, kind of cuisine was the main focus or did you guys uh, specialize in all? Or just dabbled in everything? It was, it was mainly Americana, but we do, you know, we do specials and stuff like that and, and bring in some of the different, uh, flavors from around the world uh, you know we'd have like a, a an asian special for this week or something like that and then we go on and, and and have a you know like a italian or anything you know we we rotate out some specials but mainly it was just americana oh like golden corral yeah that's what it was actually it was it was just a buffet and, and we had a walk somewhere in the kitchen <laughs> no it was it she was an amazing <laughs> chef and 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 the I learned a lot, and, and unfortunately, that restaurant closed. And and I thought you were completely serious when you said it was just like Golden Corraliver. No, no, God, we were <laughs> we were the one of the nicest restaurants in the area, and we were the only one that cooked everything from scratch. So yeah, wow. it sounds like it was a great place, but unfortunately, you see a lot of those independent businesses closing down. Yeah, and like I said, it just it all had to do with the landlord, and and he wasn't willing to work with us. So, eh, it happens. Yeah. Well, originally I would have said that my favorite restaurant was Quaker Steak and Lube because I really like the food that they have there. But lately the service and food at the ones I've been going to hasn't been all that great. So I'm going to go with my next choice and say Hardee's. And there's a good reason for that, the fact that there are no Hardee's in the area that I'm at. So when I actually encounter one, it's like a rare treat to me. And I do like their burgers. Did you stay... I'm I'm sorry. Did you say Quaker State Oil and Lube? Quaker Steak and Lube. It's a, it's a restaurant. Okay, because I'm I'm confused with like the engine oil. I do believe that it was named after that because I think there's some story that like the first one opened up in an old garage or something, and it was actually a Quaker State place. So they named the actual restaurant that they opened in the old garage Quaker Steak and Lube. Wow, it's, that's it's, cool. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> themed like a gas station, too. Like, you go in there, there's really old gas pumps decorated everywhere and stuff. Nice. They got, like, antique cars on platforms all in the restaurant that you can look at. I just huh. assumed that they were, like, a national chain. Hmm. I've never heard of them. You, you said Quaker State, and I was like, like, the oil? <laughs> that, that, I'm blown away. Definitely like, Quaker they have a side business? Move. That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, actually, I was thinking that Fred was like eating out of a gas station. <laughs> well, I, was, like, I, I will admit. They put hot dogs yeah. in there in the morning, and they sit there all day, and then he goes in and gets one. Uh, yeah, I Fred thought he was losing his mind. <laughs> well, actually, Kath, Fred does do that, but it's not hot dogs. I get those tornado things that they keep on the roller grill. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised what you eat when you're really hungry. But, no, Hardee's is my number one right now, and I'm sticking to that. ZZ, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, Favorite restaurant, Chipotle. I just love Chipotle. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ooh, they do too. have good food. 
Okay, gentlemen, it's time to move on. And Lou, since we lost our first attempt at you know recording episode three, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked you on that original episode so the people that couldn't suffer through that terrible audio can actually hear your answer to it this time. Okay. So, Lou, how did you get interested in joining the military? How did I get interested in joining the military? Well, I come from a military background. My grandfather served a long time ago. He actually served with the U.S. Army because, all right, for those who may not know, uh, my ethnic background is Filipino from the Philippines. My parents are from the Philippines. And my grandfather actually served as an auxiliary with the U.S. Army uh, before the Second World War. Okay, and, and suffered with them because he actually became a POW. When the Philippines fell, he became a POW with the, uh, his American counterparts, survived, and so on. Um, then my dad was in the Navy. <laughs> he was in the Navy for about uh, nine years, and that's how he kind of that's how he met my mom. He was on leave uh, visiting one of his uh, friends in New York City, and his friend actually happened to know my aunt. And my mom was there visiting my aunt at the time. And that's how they hooked up. And so when I was growing up, I knew he was part of the Navy. I saw the photos, all the awards he had and so forth. And then when I went to college, uh, I actually went to St. John's University out here in New York. And they have an ROTC program. So I was actually in that for over three years. Uh, left the program before I graduated because <laughs> of differences between myself and our battalion commander at the school at the time. And so you know that, that kind of ended – not my interest, but kind of ended my – I guess my, my foothold or start of my career in the military. And it wasn't until 9-11 was when I actually regained and actually went full bore with my military commitment. Uh, because when that happened, I was actually off from work that day. I was having work done in my apartment out in Queens, New York. And the work crew that came in was saying, hey, what's going on? Because I actually had a duplex apartment, and I actually could see the city from uh, my apartment. And we saw the smoke coming from the first tower. So I popped on the news while they were doing their work. We were just keeping tabs on what was happening in the news. And then, of course, everyone knows what happens then. And then what happened was a couple weeks later, one of my best buds had mentioned that he, because of that, he was galvanized and got the idea of, you know what, maybe we can't go after duty because we were in our 30s at the time. We already had our, our jobs, our careers, and my two friends that I joined the military with, they already had families started. Right? They just had their first kids at the time. So they didn't want to go active duty. So the next best thing we had was we went and joined the National Guard from New York State. And so <laughs> a few months later, that's we signed up. So did you actually get to assist with the cleanup efforts and everything? No. No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to because my job was already – I wouldn't say they were in a panic because of what happened. But things were so – our schedules were fluctuating because of that, because of all the security alerts at the time, like, the aftermath, those first few months after the events happened. You know, with bomb threats being passed with the city, fake ones, whatever, malicious ones, and, you know, people leaving buildings in midtown Manhattan all sorts of times of the day because of that. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that that was just total chaos when that was all happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first couple of months, especially like October, November, and December, and – even early January, okay, um, it was insane. Where you'd every every day you'd see one building get a crank call, some D bag, you know, thinking it was funny, you know, calling in a bomb scare in Manhattan. Yeah, that was happening all over the country too, because everybody was panicked, wondering when the next terrorist hit was going to happen. And I don't think that anybody that was old enough and encountered that day firsthand is ever going to forget where they were when that happened. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, that that's what got me. Well, that's, again, black volunteers joining the military, and 9-11 actually pushed me and my friends, I won't say over the edge, but pushed us actually, actually doing it, and actually doing it this time. And we've been there ever since. 
Well, Lou, I can tell you, you know, it's really inspiring that you guys chose to do something about 9-11 when it happened. And, you know, it's an honor to be on the same podcasting network as you. Well, I'm honored to be on with all you guys. I mean, it's great having, you know, being a part of part of this with all of you. Yeah, and it's certainly great having you on the community cast. Well, thank you for having me here. You know, you're one of the ones that the listeners want to hear the most, Lou. Don't tell Joe and you bar when I said that. <laughs> You're just that awesome, Lou. Oh, yeah. Lou is the Chuck Norris of the Quest Gaming Network. That's what I've heard. Without the beard. You know, <laughs> Lou doesn't go swimming. Water just wants to be around him. <laughs> Keeps me afloat. <laughs> so, Lou, along the same lines, but a bit more lighthearted, how did you first get interested in online gaming? Online gaming? It really didn't start. Wow. My first experience with online gaming were the very first, gosh, now I'm dating myself again, the very first LAN parties. Okay, we're literally, when I was in college, I was in a college house because at the time my college didn't have dormitories. So all the students who were out of state or from very far away actually had to resort to off-campus housing. And so I lucked out where me and my friend actually got an actual house, a a two-family house that that was converted for college kids to live in. Nice. Yeah, so what happened was at that time I actually started dabbling and learned to build my own computer, and that's what I was doing. And at the time, what really got us, got me started with online, my very first foray into online gaming was when X-Wing came out. If anyone remembers that space simulation game from LucasArts, okay, when you're playing an actual X-Wing pilot doing all those missions. And when my friends and I actually decided to say, hey, you know what? We're sick and tired of playing all the single-player missions. We've defeated the campaign several times over. Why don't we all just hook up and just play against each other online through, you know, via the land? So we did. And since my place actually had the most room, my house became the default location for all the land parties from that point forward. Because uh, it was also great because we also were – my place was literally a block away from a Dunkin' Donuts and a 7-Eleven. <laughs> so nice. We had, food, we had food, coffee, beer, and fuel to last every gaming night and every gaming weekend. So Lou was eating those hot dogs from the roller girl. That's right. <laughs> Apparently. All you know the dirty water dogs. <laughs> besides horribly dating ourselves, I, I, I really miss – Land parties. I miss sitting, you know, everybody around on the couch playing a game and, and being there, you know, and I did this whole interwebs thing. I think it's destroyed that type of gaming, you know, where you'd get your friends together and y'all would order a pizza and you'd all hang out and play Mortal Kombat or, you know, whatever the game was that week. Oh, you that's know, not entirely true, Keth. I'm sure, you know, people out like where Bo Bender lives. They're just discovering land parties. You know, he just upgraded <laughs> from AOL. <laughs> He's like, have you guys heard about this game? It's really awesome. It's called Doom. You can play it with friends. <laughs> Bo's going to put an arrow right through your knee, Fred. You know that, right? <laughs> I used right to, to be knee. a podcasting host, and then I took an arrow to the knee. That's right. <laughs> but to finish it off, yeah, that's that was my first start in online gaming. But then it really took off when UO came out. Well, Ultimate Online came out. Tried that. You know, my very first experience getting PK'd or player killed, <laughs> leaving the start of town for the first time, and just getting ganked by some high-level player for no reason, oh, just yeah. because he could. That's definitely enough to get you hooked. All right. Exactly. Okay. So, are you ready for a hard question, Lou? <laughs> Go ahead. Of every game that you've ever played, which one do you regret moving on from the most? And it can be for any reason. Either you just chose to move on, or maybe the game wasn't offering what you wished it would have. 
Like in your perfect dream fantasy, if the game would have made whatever changes you wanted, which one do you wish you could have stayed with? Wow, that is a great question because there are two right off the top of my head that I would love to go back to. But you can only pick one. Right, right. <laughs> it would probably be for right now because, I again, I've mentioned it so many times in the past. It would probably be Dark Age of Camelot for Mythic. Really? Again, for nope. its RVRVR model. It's nice balance between PvE and PvP, okay, where if you don't want to PvP, you never had to, okay? You could do the entire game and game raid and never see the PvP, RVRVR aspect of it, but still have fun. You know, I have to say, Lou, I tried Dark Age of Camelot on a free trial one time, mm-hmm. and you know me, I, I played EverQuest just like you, but I got into Dark Age of Camelot, I could not figure out what the heck to do. I was playing a friar, I think, and I was going around getting killed all the time. Right, yeah. I was so lost in that game. Yeah, that game, I wouldn't say it's a steep learning curve, but it does take a bit of research before you actually get in there, especially on doing your homework on all the classes and what they, what exactly they do, because that game is pretty unforgiving in terms of if you're a support class, you know, you're a support class. That's what you do. No one wants to hear you say, I can't kill a tank. Well, guess what? You're a support class. You're not supposed to. But, but, no buts. It's learn your role, know exactly what you have to do as your role, and don't make anything of it. You know, tanks, they tank in that game. They gain, they hold aggro, they kill things. Can they heal? Heck no. Okay, because that's not their job. Uh, okay. I guess the main thing I'm trying to say is, is the teamwork yeah, that's involved it, there. No one rolled there alone unless they were pretty effing stupid. Which, which was pretty similar to EverQuest on the PvP servers, actually. The original, I mean. Oh, right, yeah, the, uh, what with the Zek servers, I believe they were called. Exactly. But now, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask each of you, and I just want you to give me a quick little response to these. And we're going to start with you, Lou. How important is story in an MMO? It's pretty important, but if you can't back up the story with solid, proven mechanics, game mechanics, if the game plays lousy, the story won't matter because it won't hold anyone's interest for very long. Good. And Keth? None whatsoever. Story is important for people who want to play a single-player game, not an MMO. I'm on an MMO to play with my friends. I don't care what the story is as long as I can play with my friends and have a good time. If your game mechanics are solid, the game is fun, I don't care why we're downing the Lich King. It doesn't matter as long as I'm having fun doing it. Interesting. And ZZ? I would say that having a story would give you a little bit of leeway for the gameplay, but if the gameplay is bad, story doesn't matter. Alright, good. And I personally feel that story in an MMO is important because it keeps a lot of the people that you're playing with interested. You know, you got a lot of lore nuts like Lou that focus on the story. And it's very important to them. And I like to have my friends continue to play the games that I enjoy. And, you know, SWOTOR really put a whole new emphasis on story in an MMO for me. Yes, they did. And, you know, like them or not, for whatever reasons, you know, Bioware has done an amazing story, amazing job with the story for the old Republic. You know, and I think personally that they've set that new standard that if any MMO is going to try to at least make story a, a decent part of their game, you know, they have to look at Tor and say, all right, this is what they did. Forget everything else that you may hate about the game. This is the story that Tor put out there. You know, how are you going to top that? It's like maybe seeing, you know, the, the Beijing Olympics, that opening ceremonies from there. No one's going to top the opening ceremonies ever. <laughs> 
sure. See, and and I feel the exact opposite because when I was playing SWOTOR, it was a great game. I had a lot of fun. The story's absolutely amazing. But I was so focused on the storyline and what was happening to my character that I didn't want to play with anybody else because I didn't want them to space bar. I didn't want, you know, I wanted to sit there and, and absorb it. And I felt like I was being rushed by other people. And so I couldn't enjoy the story. You know, I, I enjoyed like World of Warcraft's lore, but because it wasn't, you know, you could click through and move on and everything. I didn't focus on that as much, but I had so much fr- fun with all my friends, you know, whereas with SWOTOR, I felt the exact opposite. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Now, starting with Lou again, how important is story in a single player game? There's that is it <laughs> for a single player game. The storage is going to be the crux. And I believe, again, the mechanics of the game you know, should support it because the players are having a horrible time playing the game. You know, they may they may just forego the story saying, well, you know, I can't play the game because, you know, the combat model is horrible. But would you continue playing a game that was difficult to play or had terrible mechanics because it had an excellent story? Yes, I would say, yeah, I would. I definitely would keep playing it because, again, the story has enthralled me so much that I, I actually would be willing to sit there, you know, deal with frustration, maybe lose a controller or two. <laughs> but I actually would finish the game. And ZZ. Well, yeah, you have to keep a really good balance between story and gameplay. If the gameplay is bad, then it's very, very difficult to go through the story, even if it is amazing. But if the story is bad, then there's nothing really driving you to keep playing the game, unless you really find it that fun. Right. I I mean, I'll I'll bring up an example, if I may. I don't know if anyone there remembers the old adventure-type games, like the old King's Quest games, okay? Or, wow, I really feel old and ancient! Um, There was a series of games that came out in the 90s, and it was called the Gabriel Knight series. Right, the very first one was called Gabriel Knight: Sins of the Father. Mm-hmm. All right, in this game, you played Gabriel Knight. He was a wow. Where's Where's Liz in this episode? She'd love it. He is a Louisiana native. Okay, New Orleans native all his life. He's a writer, but in old times, you know, his family comes from Europe. They were from Germany originally, and they were called uh, Shadow Hunters or Demon Hunters. Okay, the very first game was a hit was a success, lots of puzzles, you know, lots of intuitive thinking. When 2 came out, 2 came out as a kind of like an interactive media type game with like full motion video, like the pauses would happen, you would actually see the actual, the actual actors portray what was going on in the scene itself, and you choose the line, the action, what have you. But that interface was so clunky, so horrible, that a lot of players gave up because the game had so many bugs with it, associated with it, that they said, oh, I don't, we don't care, it's a Gabriel Knight story. Yeah, it's great, but I, I just can't take the gameplay. Yeah, that's a great example, too. And, Keth, how important is story in a single-player game to you? Uh, you know, I agree with everybody else. On a single-player game, it's everything. You know, to, to do an example like, Lou, Resident Evil, that game was hard because of the gameplay. But, you know, we, we all played it because we love the story. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. And now, gentlemen, we're going to move into our quick-fire questions. You should know the drill by now. I'm going to read you a question. I'm going to call on somebody. And you're going to give me an answer quickly. No thinking. I'm excited. I actually get to ask, be asked questions this time. That's right. And we're going to start with you, ZZ. Would you rather always lose or never play? Never play. And Keth, would you rather always wear earmuffs or a nose plug? Earmuffs. Lou, would you rather be a tree or live in a tree? Live in a tree. <laughs> ZZ, would you rather be able to hear any conversation... Or take back anything you say. Take back anything I say. Keth, 
Would you rather be forgotten or hatefully remembered? Hatefully remembered. Lou, would you rather be invisible or be able to read minds? Read minds? <laughs> yeah. ZZ, would you rather end hunger or hatred? <sighs> hatred. And Keth, would you rather get caught singing in the mirror or spying on someone you're interested in? Would I rather get caught uh, spying on somebody I'm interested in? <laughs> <laughs> and Lou, since we were talking about you having a pet earlier, would you rather have a kangaroo or a koala as your pet? Kangaroo. Yeah, that would probably be less hassle than a dog, I imagine. ZZ, if you could be another person for a day, who would you be? Uh, don't think about it. I, I, I don't know anyone. <laughs> Oh, we're sorry. The correct answer was Joe Wilson. And I was Kath. about to say that, too. <laughs> Kath, if you could be invisible for a day, what would you do and why? I have to abstain from that question due to the nature of our podcast. <laughs> Kath, if Lots you of things in, that are not you, socially acceptable. If you could be invisible for a day... What would you do and why that is clean and acceptable? I I have no idea. You know what? I'd probably go, like, watch a theater or something. You know, like, go to Broadway because there's no way you'd ever get tickets. So at least that way I could just go and, and chill out and watch it. I see. That's a good answer. Lou, if you could choose how you were going to die, what would you choose your death to be? Wow. Loaded question. Again, Don't think about podcast. it. Don't think about it. Heart attack doing the nasty with a hot woman. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, the correct answer was smothered to death by Playboy bunnies. Oh, we're sorry, the correct answer was force choked on the next episode of SWOTOR Reforged by Fred. ZZ, if you were a toy, what toy would you be? A teddy bear. And why? I'd be there. (laughs) I I don't know, I I didn't think about it, I just said a teddy bear. (laughs) Okay. So, moving on from the quick-fire questions, we're moving into the community news. And, Kath, I do believe you have an upcoming community event, don't you? I do. Uh, I actually just scheduled it today. It's going to be Team Fortress 2. Uh, we're going to do a TF2 night. It's going to be Friday, September 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm currently looking into getting a server. I forgot we had to have a server, so I'm, I'm, I've got emails out and, and feelers. I'm going to get us a server and uh, I believe I'm going to steal Fred's vent for the night, hopefully. And uh, we're going to get on there. That should be okay. We can let you do that. Yeah, and, and we're going to get on there and do some Team Fortress 2. Uh, I heard about this new thing came out, this man versus machine thing. Maybe try some of that out, uh, some co-op stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Guys, come on out, support the community, and, and be a part of it. We're going to have a lot of fun. Team Fortress 2 is a, lot, a blast when you get a bunch of good people together. And, Kath, I also believe that we have a contest going on, don't we? We do. Uh, we're actually really happy to be giving away a pair of brand-new tweaked audio headphones. Your choice of color, all you need to do is send us an email at qgncommunity at gmail.com. That's qgncommunity, all one word. And tell us the name of every segment on a show that you can remember. Uh, for example, the title of the news segment in each podcast, etc. The more you can remember, the better chance you have to win. Uh, because the listener who tells us the most segment names from the most QGN shows, including segments that have been removed from shows, will qualify to win a brand new pair of tweaked audio earbuds. And for those people that were asking, yes, Star Wars Off the Record and SWOTOR Reforged count as two separate shows. 
So there you go. Uh, you don't know have you don't have to know all the segments from every show. This is solely going to be judged on who can get the most correct. That's right. And Lou, would you mind telling the people when we record our shows? Why certainly. For those who want Minecraft off the record, records at 7 p.m. on Sundays. Planet Side off the record. They record at 3 p.m. every other Thursday until the game launches. The next show is scheduled for next week. So next Thursday, 3 p.m., be there. Also, Elder Scrolls Off the Record records at 7 p.m. on Thursday nights. Diablo Off the Record records at 6 p.m. on Friday nights because it has to be like that. (laughs) Now, our next community show will be on the weekend of September 14th. You can also visit our forums at www.questgamingcommunity.com. That's www.questgamingcommunity.com. And please, you are highly encouraged. Make an account. Let us know who you are, what you want. You know, you'll see all the different, I guess, all the forums there for the, all the various shows. We would love to hear your feedback. We want to hear what you think. Yeah, Lou. <laughs> yes. Ironic coming from me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was ironic that you went on to read that part, too. <laughs> I was going to encourage you to do the same. But you already have an account. I just need to encourage you to start using it because our fans want to hear from you, Lou. And ZZ, would you mind telling the good folks a little bit more about our community guild going on in Guild Wars 2 right now? Yes, come join our guild in Guild Wars 2. The name is the Quest Legion. Uh, We're doing open recruitment for all QGN fans. And if you want to join us, then PM, Fred, myself... Vector Parcel or any of the any of the other officers in the guild for an invite or talk to us in game. Uh, I am ZZ Corrode. Fred is Vimers, and another one Vector Parcel. The guy on the last one, he's Vector Parcel. I and- like that though. The guy on the last one. so now everybody that's just listening to this one's gonna listen back to the last one to find out who the heck zz's talking about more views if you don't know what guild wars 2 is it's new mmo with a cool combat system and awesome in-game functions to allow players to group together incredibly easily it was just released this tuesday so a couple things are a little bit buggy, but it's still an amazing game. And it has no subscription fee, so there's no reason why you shouldn't get it. And I do believe, Lou, you're also playing this game too, aren't you? Yes, I am. Just recently got into it, time allowing, and, you know, it's not disappointing so far. It's, it's great. I'm having a blast with it. I think we're going to have to finagle some things and get Lou in our community guild. <laughs> That'll get people to flock to us. <laughs> yep. And, Kath, I think it's time to wrap up the show now. Absolutely. So quick iTunes shout-outs. We got two from the USA. We got LUT89 and Steve Schmidt. It was all in caps, so I figured that's how he wanted it read. I'm sure he's going to appreciate that, Kev. I, I, I'm here for the listeners. So, Kev, how about uh, you tell the good folks how to reach us? You can get us anytime at qgncommunity at gmail.com. Just send us an email. You can get us on Twitter at the QG Network and... You can get a hold of Fred at Sith Lord Corv. That's K-O-R-V. All one word, no underscores, any of that stuff. You can get a hold of me at Keth Gaming. 
on Twitter. No underscores, any of that stuff. You can get me at kethgaming at gmail.com. And you can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash kethgaming, doing some Let's Plays, trying to figure all that stuff out so I can actually get some content up for the uh, network once I figure out how all that works. Uh, you can get a hold of Lou at GamerGuy11 Bravo. And you can get a hold of ZZ. Uh, you should say 11B because someone's going to type in Bravo and they're not going to find Lou. <laughs> oh, I would see. I was doing the Bravo thing for the military thing. You're right. A gamer 11B. B gamer, gamer guy 11B. What'd I say? Gamer 11B. <laughs> I, yes, there are words now. <laughs> you can get a hold of ZZ on Twitter at ZZCorode. Did I get that one right? Yep. Yay! Okay. So I do believe it's time to give our final thoughts, gentlemen. Let's start with you, Lou, since you're our guest host tonight. Well, my final thought is I am glad to be here. Glad you guys have me on tonight. Had a lot of fun. A lot of great stories come across today. A lot of interesting things about the games we've all enjoyed playing, and I can't wait to go out and play some more. (laughs) And ZZ, what are your final thoughts, sir? Glad to be on the show with you guys. You guys are awesome. All I gotta say. We're glad to have you. And Kev, what are your final thoughts? My final thought is ZZ better say goodbye in Russian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and my final thoughts are I would like to thank both Lou and ZZ for taking time out of their schedules to come, you know, record with us tonight. Especially you, Lou, because this is your second attempt at getting your first appearance on the community cast done. Part <laughs> <laughs> <Art> two. <laughs> I. I know that the episode that we recorded with Liz was phenomenal, but, you know, people were still chomping at the bit to get an episode with Liz. So I'm glad that we finally got this one under our belts, provided that our recording comes out like it's supposed to. And now it's time to say goodbye. Good night, everyone. Glad you're all here. Hope to see you all again next week. Sayonara! Good night, everyone. And remember... QGN Community Cast is a Quest Gaming Network production and made possible by listeners like you.